Hey folks, welcome to the Live From Tomorrow podcast, a musical comedy about tech and innovation. I am Matt Hooper, the creator of the show, and yes, I also play a character named Matt Hooper on the show. Total coincidence. Uh, we are here on the third episode of our five-episode story. Uh, though, For those of you who are checking us out for the first time, please do go back and give a listen to episodes one and two. And uh, for everyone, it might still be worth recapping where we are. It's November 2018, and Matt's on his way to host the second performance of his variety show named, yes, Live From Tomorrow. He's just broken up with his fiancée, Sally Skalski of the Monongahela Valley Skalskis, who has joined her father, a coal miner turned crypto miner, to launch a cryptocurrency business down in West Virginia. Newly single, newly entrepreneurial, and eager to grow as a host, Matt is visited by his old mentor, insurance salesman Pat Dreyfus, a baby boomer for whom the modern millennial workplace is so new that it hits him like a Tide Pod to the head. Who wrote this? Anyway, uh, when my collaborators and I set out to produce this show, we knew that, like any good musical, we needed to adhere to the two-act structure. And given how Act 1s are traditionally a bit longer than Act 2s, we figured that our end of Act 1 would come here, at the end of Episode 3. It's an episode I'm especially proud of, with an incredible special guest, some stellar performances, and ending on just the right kind of suspenseful note that will make you want to rush back to your seat after intermission. Uh, virtual intermission, that is. This is this is still a podcast. Anyway, uh, please enjoy Live From Tomorrow, Episode 3, or Hardly Working. Having a good time listening to your phone there? Huh? Sorry, man, I got my headphone. Pat? Pat Dreyfus? <laughs> How are you? Oh, it's so good to see you, man. When did you get into town? Just this morning. Here only for a few days. Wanted to catch your show tonight, see what this tech comedy is all about. Maybe someone can finally explain to me how to blockchain my cloud. Uh, yeah. <laughs> when I was a kid, we were telling people to get off of my cloud, you know? Now everyone's running to be in it, on it. Yeah. What were you listening to just now? Uh, yeah, just the latest recording of the theme music and opening voiceover for our podcast. <laughs> you millennials, you're all running around so excited because you just discovered the radio. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And this uh, co-working space, this is where you're doing uh, Tomorrow Live? Live from Tomorrow. Yeah, it's our second show. We did our first one last month. They offered us the chance to set up a little stage here and... You know, startups that work in the space come see it. Nicely done. Very National Lampoon, but for tech. It's like Animal Tech House, maybe Saturday Night Tech or something. I don't know. I'm not the writer. You'll think of it. Hey. What sort of startups work here? Uh, looking for a new job, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, are they all selling anything, or are they too early stage? You mean, do any of them need sales teams? There are, like, 30 companies in here. I, I honestly don't it, know. It's okay. I was just, uh, curious. Hey! Break a leg tonight, man, and try not to uh, disrupt yourself on the way to the stage. Yeah, <laughs> thank you, Pat. It's, it's an intriguing new line of work. Actually, tonight's show is all about the changing nature of work and the coming rise of automation. Oh? It ties into tomorrow night's event, too, where I'm interviewing Andrew Yang. He's running for president on a universal basic income platform. A presidential candidate, huh? On your show? Well, congrats. But look, I, I don't want to keep you. you. You should head on up. You've got a show to do. Yeah, but I, I definitely want to catch up. So maybe after the show? Sure. Let's do it face-to-face. -face. Remember that? When FaceTime meant no phones? Ha-ha! <laughs> <laughs> uh, one, uh, one question before you go. So the show is tonight, but the interview is tomorrow night? Yep, I'm going to edit them together. They, they, they used to do that for radio broadcasts too, Pat. Yeah. <laughs> hey, if I have to sell the audience on these sketches tonight, think I might be able to employ Pat Dreyfus's four rules for closing a deal? <gasps> Number one, make them feel like a star. Number two, open with a question, close with a joke. <laughs> Number three, never make it about you. Number four, never make it about you. And number five bonus rule, avoid words with the letter P. The spittle, it's a deal breaker. <laughs> Good memory, probably because the four rules work. <laughs> See you up there, Pat. Go get him. And remember what I always tell Doug Castro at the InsurCon conference in Vegas before he does his Roger Daltrey parody. B, like Belushi, that was classic era. You couldn't tweet, Skype on LinkedIn even if you wanted to. Who's Doug? Oh, crap, I'm getting the hurry up texts. I'll see ya. Yeah, see ya. 
Sorry, excuse me. Jeez. Pardon me. Watch it. Uh, is it, uh, I'm just, is, is anybody sitting there? never see you anymore. And when we do hear from you, it's only for a few minutes, and, and we can barely hear you over the sounds of robots beeping. Oh, yes. AI, Dad, it's called AI. Hey, oi, hey, oi, I say. Oh. <laughs> wow, they're loving it. Matt, Matt's really doing it. Tech comedy. Well, I can't say I'm not proud of him. I was his mentor, for crying out loud. He might not even have known how to segue into musical numbers via the power of an overly vivid imagination if it weren't for me. Uh. Unplanned obsolescence. That's the crime for which, before you, I stand. Just an old man in the present, trying to get along the best he can. I can't remember a time when they called me a wunderkind and life of the party I used to be the man mm, they sent to close the deal back when business was done face to face and not over email those were boom times baby booms loads were light yeah I was too Transistor radios and vacuum tubes. Only three TV stations, but we sure walked on the moon. So why now must I be cast aside like some old iPhone generation five? I was the highest of tech. While I'm alive, unplanned obsolescence. Yeah, that's the only thing for which I did not plan. Just an old man in the present, mm, trying to get along best he can. I have tried to find work with the big tech companies, but it seems no use for a dinosaur like me, a titan of industry reduced to a sad clown. I gotta stay humble, but my world is upside down. More boom times. For this baby boomer With his out-of-work wife And college-age daughter But rather than go out quiet Like a sheep to slaughter I'm gonna give it my best Come hell or high water So why now must I be cast aside like some old TI-89 I was the highest of tech in my prime And I have so much left to give While I'm alive Unplanned Obsolescence That's the crime which I stand Just an old man 
in the present trying to get along the best I can knock knock hey Pat you stayed for the whole thing of course I did and oh dude what a show that first sketch who wrote it? Rogers and Ebertstein or whoever? <laughs> I'm happy you could hear that joke the right way. By the way, the best view in the house is always right here, backstage. Oh, I wish I'd stood here tonight. I used to be a roadie for Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. I was the lucky man that they were always singing about. You, you, you know that story, right? Hey, if you're in town for a bit, maybe we can grab dinner Wednesday? Sure, maybe tomorrow. Tomorrow, actually, I... I have a date after the interview. <laughs> hey, all right, getting back out there. Good for you. Thank you. We, we met on an app, so who knows? Yeah, Sally it. was great, but you're a young man, man. I saw your Facebook relationship status update, making it known that you're on the market. I like it. I was 35 when Noreen and I finally tied the knot. That was a different time, though. I hadn't even heard of Dover, Delaware, let alone move my whole life down there and start a car. Right, right. But d dinner Wednesday, that, that works? Yeah, yeah. Wednesday should be fine. Uh, and uh, w will you be here uh, tomorrow, too? I'd love to come see this place during the day, get a taste for co-working life firsthand, you know, see the uh, new way people are working. Maybe also see if any of them need insurance. Uh, <laughs> it did, definitely. Um, I'll text you in the morning, though. Sound good? Awesome, yes. See you, Pat. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. So, uh, if you want to just pour yourself a coffee, you can do that over there. Yes, I totally see how that's innovative. Because never before in the history of the office has there been the availability of... Coffee. Well, you know, it's, it's a nice feature. And this is my desk. I'm a month to month right now. This feels like a study hall, buddy boy. No walls, no doors. You've got some music playing. A little background noise isn't the worst thing, I guess. Mostly I just put my headphones in and, and I get to work. This water has cucumbers in it. It does. Should I get a picture of this, send it to Noreen? She'd like a picture of us, right? Sure, Pat, that'd be nice. From giving you a lift to your first internship in the insurance biz, to visiting your co-working space now, we've come a long way, haven't we, man? It wasn't my first internship. I was a bag boy at Wetzel's Pretzels. Though you did introduce me to the tech team. Smile! Ah. <laughs> you look so surprised. That's a Facebook post. Yeah, <laughs> that's a poster. Uh, Noreen's gonna love this. She's at Oberlin this week visiting Lindsay. Another hundred grand I'm hemorrhaging. Oh, is Lindsay like in college? Man, don't look. What? Over there, by the ping pong table, in the bowler hat, scarf, and glasses, that's Elvis Costello. It, what? Oliver's Army, Allison, Angels Wanna Wear My Red Shoes, Girls Talk, which is the B-side of I Can't Stand Up For Falling Down. That is Elvis Costello. I'm pretty sure that's just a guy, Pat, a guy in a bowler hat, scarf, and glasses. Yeah, you're probably right. Everybody looks like that now. Everybody wears a costume. Actually, can, can I read you the intro I've written for Andrew Yang? See if it's any good? Are you performing for me? What is this man? JFK's birthday? Mr. President. Hey, hey. My favorite podcast host. Dan, hey, how was your trip to Hawaii? Oh, uh, sorry, Pat, this is Dan. He's in charge of the recording studio here in the space. Ah, so maybe you can answer some of my questions, Dan. So mad he has been telling me that all these co-working spaces are powerful hubs for ecosystem development and that each venture-backed founder is working to provide a 10x return for their investors. <laughs> I get it. Every field has its jargon, but this is all maybe uh... a... <laughs> bit much? Yeah. Let me guess. You two work here also? We do. I'm Abby and this is Fran. And you both have a startup, don't you? Yep. I swear, it's contagious. Well, that's just the way it is around here, Pat. You're standing right in the middle of the innovation ecosystem, and yeah, there's a lot of buzzwords. But at least we have a sense of humor about ourselves. You've gotta stay a step ahead of the jargon. Oh no, all this tech talk that makes my nerves great. Get hip to words like disrupt VC, and let's ideate. Get a whiteboard! 
Just try to stay a step ahead of the future Pushing hard as I can to never rest Counting down the seconds till a robot Comes along to do it best Stop, Matt It's fun Come on, Pat When we're done, we'll all sound the damn same Language is now one big rich game You've gotta stay chummy with your co-founders Co-what? Learn your ecosystem, check your bandwidth before you live. Like the rainforest! I always you do! You imbibe, you do not drink your beverage. What does that have to do with tech? Here goes, now you had better try it. We are all reliant on these nonsense terms, let's... Is any of this coming through, Pat? Honestly, I love the enthusiasm, but, uh, I mean... I've been in the working world for 30 years. If I'm struggling with all of this stuff... I know, it can be needlessly complicated. And it's often downright annoying. Hmm, let's try this another way. Ecosystems are just networks With a very silly name Founder means you're unemployed Advisor means the very same Double click means say again. Dog food, test products on yourselves. Co-work means you are homeless. And that's who lives in an e ecosystem. E ecosystems are just networks with a very silly name. Founder means you're unemployed. Advisor it means the very same. Double click means say again. Dog food. Products on yourselves. Cower means you are homeless. And that's who lives in an e ecosystem. Come on, Pat. You gotta stay a step ahead of the jargon. Pat's singing. All this tech jargon once made my nerves great. Words like disrupt the CM. Let's but now I think I got a cat. He gets it. He's singing about the upside of tech jargon. You've got to stay a step ahead of the future. Oh, Pat, we sound great. <laughs> Pushing oh so hard and never rest. Got to wait until that goddamn robot comes along to do it this. I understand it now. So, Pat, I'm, I'm going to head downtown for this interview if you'd like to come. Absolutely. Sounds fun. However, I'm sorry to have to burst Andrew Yang's bubble, but uh, people want to work. What? Work offers some meaning in life. Plus, the government is never going to be able to just pay for everyone's needs. Well, according to his platform... Look, I get it. It's noble, but unrealistic. Everybody needs to come back to the center, okay? Can't we just come back to the center? I don't know that this isn't a centrist platform in some ways, though. And it's not even so radical. It just... Providing a universal basic income is a reaction to the very real crisis of mass automation. Matt, I have been there, okay? And let me How tell you... How have you been there? Nobody's been there. This is a new economic challenge. And I'm not even saying I endorse this platform yet. Just... The center is not a place where people don't want to work for a living. People need purpose. I need purpose. 
Now, for after dinner tomorrow, I'm thinking a concert. Kevin McDonaghan, remember him from last year's InsureCon in Tulsa? I don't know these people, Pat. I don't work in insurance. Anyway, he gave me his tickets to go see the guy who named Herman's Hermits read from his new memoir about why nothing will ever be as good again as it was in 1965. It's at the Beacon. They're going to have a hologram of Greg Allman as the opener. You'd love that. I, I actually think maybe you should hang back and... We can get together again tomorrow for dinner before you head out Thursday. Oh, okay. I just think it's fascinating that they were originally called Herman and the Hermits, so, uh... Good luck, and good luck on your date, too. Wow, a lot just happened. <sighs> Way to go, Pat. I was an unhappy corporate attorney for five months here in New York at a law firm called Davis Polk and Wardwell. I don't know that firm. Uh, and so I thought it was a terrible job. And so I left to start a dot-com. Like many of you are starting, how many of you are entrepreneurs are working on a startup right now? It's like a majority here. So I know what you're going through because I started my first company when I left the firm and we had the mini rise and maximum fall and lost investors a quarter million. And my parents were like, what the hell happened to you and the rest of it? Uh, and so from there, I worked with another startup for a number of years. And then I became the CEO of an education company called Manhattan Prep, Manhattan GMAT. And some of you might have heard of Manhattan GMAT or used it because now we're number one in the country. Uh, grew to be, become number one and was acquired by the Washington Post in 2009. And so during that time, I personally taught the analyst classes at McKinsey, Goldman Sachs, JP Morgan, Morgan Stanley. And I was like, wow, so many people hate their jobs. <laughs> like, uh, like everyone just reminded me of me at Davis Polk. And I was like, what a train wreck. Uh, this really should be improved on somehow. And so my attempt to improve it was I, I donated $120,000 to start an organization called Venture for America. Uh, raise your hand if you've heard of Venture for America. And there are a bunch of VFAers here. Oh my gosh, so many of you, yes. Yeah. So if you haven't heard of Venture for America, there's a movie about us on Netflix right now called Generation Startup with an Oscar-winning director. I make cameos as the magical Asian man. And uh, I have an IMDB credit as myself. And, and so I, I spent six, seven years helping startups grow around the country. So I'm, I was born in upstate New York, Northeast product. So I started Venture for America. I donate 120,000 to seed the organization. And I start calling rich friends and ask, do you love America? Then the savvy among them say, what does it mean if I say yes to that question? And then I say, at least $10,000. And they're like, I love, I love America for 10000 So our budget was around quarter of a million in 2011. It's grown and grown until uh, now. It's like six, six and a half million or so. Uh, and we've helped create about 3,000 jobs around the country. But then it hit me that we were pouring water into a bathtub that has a giant hole in the bottom. And that was laid bare by Donald Trump winning the election in 2016. So the, the reason why Donald Trump's our president today is that we automated away four million manufacturing jobs in Michigan, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Missouri, Iowa, all the swing states he needed to win. And you know, and I know, and Matt knows, that we're about to do the same thing to retail workers, call center workers, truck drivers, fast food workers, and on and on through the economy. So that, so what happened, there's a long-winded way of, of answering how I wound up in this spot, because if your job is to create jobs, then you see this automation tsunami on the horizon, and our political leaders are completely unable to even acknowledge it, much less address it, uh, then you start realizing that we need much, much bigger solutions, and that's my mission now. Um, I think, by way of anecdote, and I was just saying this to Andrew before we started, a couple of years ago, before Donald Trump won the election, I remember taking a long road trip through fairly rural Appalachia and seeing a lot of what America looked like now, or I guess then, about two years ago. A lot of what we might commonly call ghost towns, um, places, we're gonna talk about malls in a second, but you can sort of judge the character of a small community by how, uh, how populous the area around their mall is, um, which you talk about in your book. And so I think that what you did in your book that was quite brilliant, and what I'm very fascinated by in your platform, is you've taken disparate, um, seemingly disconnected trends, united them, and have tried to posit some solutions for the way forward. Uh, so you've done a great job in the book, which again is called The War on Normal People, outlining. Copies in the back. Copies in the back. Uh, and t-shirts in the back. Um, what else is in the back? Um, you know, swag. <laughs> swag stickers. is in the back. And you know what? Swag is up front too, folks. Swag is up front too. Uh, and like anything, we can't build the right solution, right? We're all entrepreneurs until we've properly diagnosed the challenges. So as we said, the book is called 
the war on normal people. Please define normal for all of us. So normal is the statistically average American. So I tried to identify what the, the norm is in this country. Uh, so what proportion of Americans graduate from college? 32%. Um, so the statistically average American is a high school graduate or has one year of college, typically. Uh, Four-year degrees is 32%. Graduate degree is like 11 or 12%. So what are the five most common jobs in the United States economy? And I listed some of them before, but think about, again, high school graduates, because 68% of Americans are high school graduates. So what do Americans do for a living? If you had to just shout something out. Food service, number, food service is number three. Retail is number two. Truck driving is number four. Most common job in 29 states. Uh, it's not, not, they don't work for the government yet. If some of the Democrats have their way, that's where we're all gonna wind up. But um, number one is administrative and clerical, which includes call center workers, and number five is manufacturing. So what proportion of Americans work in one of those five sectors? Clerical, retail, food service, truck driving, or manufacturing? It's about 50%, that's right, it's 49%, um, average pay $15 an hour. So those jobs are all going to really disappear in the coming days. 30% of malls are gonna close in the next four years essentially guaranteed, and 10% of American workers work in retail. The average retail worker is a 39-year-old woman with a high school degree who makes uh, about $12 an hour. So very little savings. So what is her next move going to be when the mall closes? So, so, the, so that's what I meant by normal, is like who's normal, that mall worker is normal, that um, food service worker is normal, that truck driver is normal. This is my favorite excerpt in the book because I was fairly overwhelmed when I read this. And this is, what, this is what a war on normal people looks like right now. In your assessment of modern American life, we are getting older, we don't have adequate retirement savings, we are financially insecure, we use a lot of drugs, we are not starting new businesses, we're depressed, we owe a lot of money, public and private, our education system underperforms, our economy is consolidating around a few mega powerful firms in our most important industries, our media is fragmented, our social capital is lower, we don't trust institutions anymore. And I gotta be honest, there was not one part of that list where I thought, I don't agree with that. And I think that this is what I mean by painting a picture of, of perhaps not the most positive uh, societal transitions we've seen over the last 10, 20, 30 years, but a fair assessment of them. So you, you've also referred to some of these trends as part of something called the great displacement. What is the great displacement? So, uh so what did our economics textbooks, raise your hand again, what did our economics classes say would happen if you were to eliminate, let's say, four million manufacturing jobs? What would happen to those workers, according to the books? Yeah, they would get uh, retrained, reskilled, they'd have higher productive, productivity work, economic, uh, you know, the GDP would grow, there'd be like an adjustment. So I, I tried to figure out, based on the studies, what actually happened to the displaced manufacturing workers of Michigan, Indiana, and other Midwestern states. Because we automated away four million manufacturing jobs between 2000 and 2015, and you can figure out what happened to them. So what happened to them is not what the economics textbook said would happen. Uh, 40 to 44% of them left the workforce and never worked again. And of those who left the workforce, about half filed for disability where now there are more Americans on disability than work in construction, as one example. So the Great Displacement started in 2000 when we started chewing up these manufacturing jobs, and these workers went home and started to drink themselves to death and started dying at younger ages, and eight Americans are dying of opiates every hour, like suicide rates have spiked. Can we slow down on that statistic for one second? Eight Americans are dying from opiates every hour? Yeah, eight Americans an hour. Now, and it, it is, as you said, Matt, the trends are all tied together. And so the Great Displacement gets started in 2000. Right now, we're in year 10 of an expansion. The headline unemployment rate, the news will tell us, is what now? 3.7%, record low, awesome. But then if you look at the labor force participation rate, which is what proportion of working adults are actually in the workforce, and that is a multi-decade low right now at 62.9%, the same levels as El Salvador and the Dominican Republic, and almost one in five prime working age American men between the ages of 21 and 30 has not worked in the last 12 months. And that's right now when things are supposed to be good. So the great displacement is that we're pushing a lot of people, particularly unskilled men, out of the workforce. And the next 
the next steps to go are going to be retail jobs in malls, truck driving, which is really going to be the biggest disaster. Right. Because there are three and a half million truckers, average age 49, 94% male. So the person you imagine is a truck driver, that's a truck driver. Uh, and they're high school graduates who make about $46,000 a year. So the, the odds of hundreds of thousands of middle-aged men, 10% of whom own their trucks, uh, and significant proportion, about 80,000 are ex-military, the odds of them just going home are like really, really low. And if you think there's going to be a massive negotiated solution, only 13% of truckers today are in a union. So even if you wanted to try and figure it out, you'd find that 87% are in a small mom and pop firm uh, of between like uh, 10 and 30 workers. Um, so we've painted a picture, I think, of immediately automatable jobs or jobs that are already being automated because of the opportunities inherent um, that business could build there. We've talked about, I think, where a lot of the healthcare costs and healthcare crisis are, which leads to a sort of nationwide lack of confidence, to your point about how people are feeling, where their next paycheck is going to come from, will it come at all, should we see the rise of automation as, you know, as we're seeing it now, if these trends continue. So what is a universal basic income, and where have people, countries, governments experimented with UBI before? All right, so universal basic income is a policy where every member of a society gets a certain amount of money, no questions asked, to meet basic needs. So my plan, the freedom dividend, is that every American adult between 18 and 64 will get $1,000 a month, free and clear, no questions asked. So everyone here. Everyone, let's go, come on, there you go. Yes. All right. So I have rebranded it the freedom dividend because Americans like the word freedom. Um, <laughs> that's true, we tested it. Uh, and so the, the plan is to put this money into people's hands and the studies have shown that it would improve uh, nutrition, graduation rates, mental health, productivity, it would decrease domestic violence, uh, hospital visits, like many good things would happen in each individual situation and family with a thousand bucks a month. Because again, 57% of Americans can't pay an unexpected $500 bill. So they're heads down, they're like lurching paycheck to paycheck month to month. You put a thousand bucks a month in their hands, then they'll actually start. So the opposite of a mindset of scarcity is the mindset of abundance, which most of you naturally have. If you're like working on a business, you think like, hey, I can make this work. You know, like the possibilities are endless. Like I've got upside and growth. And so we can reverse that 60-40 scarcity mindset to 60-40 abundance directly by giving every adult $1,000 a month. And what does that $12,000 per annum do vis-a-vis -vis the poverty rate? Um, it wipes it out because uh, the poverty line in the U.S. is $12,770 a year. So you're essentially taking every adult up to the poverty line. We can eradicate poverty. And so for those of you who think this is far out, uh, Thomas Paine was for it the founding of the country. This law passed the House of Representatives in 1971 under Richard Nixon. Martin Luther King was for it. Milton Friedman was for it. A thousand economists signed a letter saying this would be great for the economy and society. This was right after we passed Social Security and people were like, what else can we do? It's like, ooh, minimum income level. So it passed the House of Representatives and then it stalled in the Senate because the Democrats wanted a higher income floor. And someone who worked in politics in the 70s came to me a number of weeks ago and said that was the biggest mistake we ever made. We should just taken that deal. If we'd taken that deal. They'd taken that deal, a family of four would be guaranteed an income of $30,000 uh, a year, every year between 1971 and now. I mean, think about that. Like, how much misery would that have alleviated? Uh, and one state has a policy just like universal basic income in effect right now where everyone there gets between one and $2,000 a year. No questions asked. You guys know, what is it? <coughs> Alaska. And how do they fund it? And what is the oil of the 21st century? Technology. Technology, AI, data, autonomous vehicles, et cetera. So, and in Alaska, think about this. Alaska, Republican governor goes to the state, which is deep red, and says, who would you rather get the oil money? The government who's just gonna screw it up, or you, the citizens of Alaska? And then the citizens of Alaska are like, us, us. It was like, I thought so. So now, everyone in Alaska gets the money. It's wildly popular. It's created thousands of jobs, it's improved children's health and nutrition, and it's lowered income inequality, and it's been in effect for 36 years. So we can definitely do it, and conservatives like it. There are a lot of libertarians and conservatives that really like me and this plan, because what they hate is government bureaucracy. 
What they like is individual autonomy and self-determination. And so putting economic agency into people's hands actually is very, very appealing to many traditional conservatives and libertarians. Can you speak a little more to the idea that citizens are becoming sort of shareholders in this plan, right? Because that is the immediate argument. How does this get paid for? What does it mean? Doesn't this yield month-to-month -month laziness? You know, and you're saying instead, look, this is we're handing a certain kind of power back because we're providing uh, a basic level. So what does this do for citizens if they can now start to think of themselves as owners in their country? And what does it do with uh, regard to existing welfare programs? Yeah, so oh, one of the things I'm saying in Iowa, New Hampshire is like you all, we all are the owners and citizens of the richest, most advanced country in the history of the world. And there is nothing stopping us from declaring ourselves a dividend. And you don't need a constitutional amendment. You don't need a supermajority. All you need is 51% of Congress to say it's dividend time and then we can get a dividend. And so that mindset is uh, like someone said to me in Seattle, a neuroscientist who would know. He said, the enemy of universal basic income is the human mind. And by that, what he meant was that we are programmed for resource scarcity, particularly around money. It's like not enough to go around, like I need it, you have it, like you get it, I don't get it. Uh, and so if you start trying to get people's heads up and say, hey, like you're an owner of this society, there's absolutely nothing stopping us from having a dividend. P companies do it all the time. When companies do it, it's good management. We can manage ourselves the same way. Alaska did it. All we need to do is follow suit and take some of the fantastic gains. So that's, that mindset switch uh, is awesome when it happens. And I've seen it now happen uh, hundreds, maybe thousands of times. So, I mean, there are so many things I do want to get into why this will not lead to inflation with the implementation of the Freedom Dividend, your idea for a Public Protection Against Market Abuse Act. But I'm afraid um, I only have time for one more question, so you guys all have to go read the book. Uh, so my final question is why now? We see what's going on around the world. We saw what happened in Brazil this weekend. We've seen what happened in our own country. We live in the shadow of Brexit uh, and the rising of far-right parties all throughout Europe. And so I am fascinated. No one campaign, no one platform can solve all this, but why now, why 2020, why you, and why the UBI, the Freedom Dividend? Yeah. So. I think what's happening, happening here in the U.S. is very, very similar to what's happening in other economies around the world. And then it's led to uh, extremism. Um, post-truth. Uh, post-truth and lack of institutional faith. And my, I get angry because I, I think that our government has failed to keep up with the times, not for like five, ten years, but for 25, 30 years. And so now that we're 30 years behind, we're, and, and the frustrating thing I have is like, we're still 30 years behind. Like people aren't even proposing solutions that to me actually solve the problems of today. And like it frustrates me when people call me a futurist because I'm like, I'm a fucking presentist. It's like 2018. <laughs> like just because I was like, yeah. <laughs> you know, just because I'm, I'm not like 78 like you, like I can't remember the fucking 50s, like, right. you know. <laughs> I shouldn't be ageist, but you guys know what I'm talking about. So, like, so when you, when you ask about like why, why now, it's like this, this is like the Chinese proverb. They're like two ideal times to plant a tree 20 years ago or today. And so since it did not happen 20 years ago, we need to do it right now. And I was, and like, I looked around, I was like, oh my gosh, like, is this really happening? Like, did we really elect a narcissist reality TV star who's like an emblem to the accelerating decline of our civilization as our president? Like, is this real? And then I started going around to various Democrats being like, hey guys, like, what are we going to do about the fact that we're like automating away all the jobs? And then the Democrats were like, I mean, the Democrats were, I, I'm a Democrat, but the Democrats were so dumb about like that question. It was really mortifying. Like the responses I got were like, we can't talk about that. We should study that further. Or the one that sounds competent is we must educate and retrain Americans for the jobs of the future. And then I was like, hey, I looked at the independent studies on the effectiveness of government sponsored retraining programs. And would you guys want to guess what the effectiveness level is on a percentage basis? And I asked this question, no one's ever like, 80%, I'm sure it's great. Like, everyone knows when you think about it, you're like, oh, we must be really bad at that. So the effectiveness rate, according to independent studies, is between zero and 15%. And fewer than 10% of workers qualify for federally funded retraining. So you're talking about a 1% solution, <laughs> literally, like, you could like, we can retrain 1% of workers. Um, and so, 
so this is the stuff the Democrats were actually answering as like, this is like our big like answer to the, the problem. And so, and, and so when you ask why me, why now, it was literally, and, and every entrepreneur in this room knows what I'm talking about, it's because you knew that no one else was gonna do it. You know what I mean? Like you look up and you'd be like, because I'm now cool enough where I've been around, it's like, you know, it's like you meet the players. Like I, I did go around being like, hey guys, who's gonna run for president on universal basic income? Because we need to freaking get that over the finish line before the truckers riot. Uh, and so I went around Silicon Valley and was like, hey guys, who's doing it, who's doing it? And they were like, how about you, Reed? How are you feeling? Yeah, yeah. yeah, no, really. I was like, you up for this? You up for this? And then, like, a after I had these conversations, I was like, no one's going to do shit. Uh, and then I was like, well, I'm a parent. I'm an American. I'm going to do it. Uh, so on that note, uh, he's going to win Iowa. He's a fucking presentist, and he might soon be your fucking president. Let's go plant some trees. Thank you, Andrew. Andrew in 2020. Thank you. Thank you all. Thanks everybody for coming out. We'll see you soon. Mm, Pat, if you want to talk to me, you're going to have to learn to text. <clears throat> Hello, sir. Hey, Mop the Hoople. <laughs> just checking in. Wanted to uh, make sure the interview went well. Yeah, yeah, thanks. We just ran. And uh, sorry if, uh, well, it felt like you and I got a little heated earlier. Not in a good way. <laughs> Not William Hurt, Kathleen Turner, body heat style. Very funny, Pat. And very current reference. I, uh... Well, uh, anyway, if you need anything tonight, on the date or, uh, uh, I'm here. I think I'll be okay. Just hanging at the Airbnb. It's, uh, it's my first one. I'm staying in Nolita, wherever that is. When I was living in New York, we just called this neighborhood Behind Angels. Okay, Pat, well, if you're trying to help, you're actually not doing a very good job. You're talking over me, and I have all this adrenaline pumping through me, and I haven't been on a date in eight years. Matt, I'm... So I'll, I'll, I'll see you tomorrow, or... Yeah, bye. Matt. Matt? Uh, Ethelene? <laughs> it's good to meet you. <laughs> have you been waiting long? I, I'm, I'm so sorry, I was caught up at work. I, I, and... Work, work, yeah, yeah sure. F funny you should mention that, I was just interviewing this fascinating entrepreneur who's running for president in hopes of implementing a freedom dividend. Oh, which... Andrew Yang! Uh, yes. <laughs> I've been reading about him. Mr. UBI, right? Yeah. Yeah, which would help make up for the coming loss of work due to automation. I... I know I could certainly use it. <laughs> right now, my life is subsidized by sponsorships. Oh, so. what do you mean? Well, I do this show, like a variety show, and Google mm. Cloud has been our sponsor. Oh, cool. Well, my uh, sponsor, I guess, is Dr. David Cohen, DDS. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a dental hygienist. Oh, so yeah, jokes. Just, yeah. Jo yes, all right. <laughs> all right, sorry. Uh, sorry, is, is, is it especially hot over here? Oh, would you like to move tables? No, I, I should be fine. I'm oh. just a little nervous. I, I haven't actually been on a date in years. Oh. My fiancé and I broke up a few months back. Oh, well, if it makes you feel any better, I'm nervous too. But for all we know, we're off to a great start. We found something in common already. I was just reading about Andrew Yang. You just interviewed him. Yes, yeah. Uh, it, frankly, this is the first time in my life I've actually enjoyed talking about work. Oh, you have some like, like Google uh, Cloud for startups. Stuck to your forehead. Uh, if you're a startup, okay. did you know, Ethelene, that you can get up and running quickly and easily with mentorship, training, and cloud credits from the Google Cloud for Startups program? Wow. Yeah, they sound like good sponsors for your show. Oh, oh, they're, they're, they're great. If you're looking to build, test, and run on any cloud platform, look no further. <laughs> on Google Cloud Platform, you can code and scale your app on App Engine, tailor your deployment on Compute Engine, Wait, or... do you hear that music? Sorry? The music that was just... I... Never mind. Uh, sometimes music is, like, performed around me, I guess. I, I break out into songs. It's it's weird, I, I know, but it happens from time to time, and I don't always hear it. Uh, maybe it's led to me being more theatrical in my interactions. <laughs> oh, okay. Gonna get right to the meal. Would you like any appetizers? We should get some hummus. Oh, no, no, it's hummus. Okay. Oh. Please, dear sir, may we have some hummus? I think he was a waiter. He'll bring hummus. He's a clown. That's not nice. No, I, I mean, he's, he's dressed as a clown. He's performing at a child's birthday party in the back room. I saw him when I came you in. You heard the music that time too, didn't you? I, I did, Matt. 
so maybe we should go back to talking about uh, work or something. Yeah, work. Yeah, yes, uh, yes, yeah. work. That's a good, uh, good, safe conversational uh-huh. place to be on a date. <laughs> I've always loved thinking about data and its maintenance and storage, and so consequently I like knowing that whether you need natural language recognition, image or video analysis, or translation services, Google Cloud for Startups has powerful pre-trained or custom machine learning models to help you enhance your app. But I'm not making an app. But you use apps. Heck, we're meeting because of an app. We... uh, Yeah, and it's exhausting. Just the amount of time you spend searching and searching for... For what? For a soulmate? For another heartbreak? For an evening spent across from someone whose biggest interest in life is data storage? Dear madam, how are we doing on that hummus? She must be a waitress. She'll follow up on our hummus. She's a mime, Matt. Same birthday party. Do you find success in the dating pool? Are you on a lot of dating apps? No, just fucker. Yeah, me too. Fucker is sort of the only app I bother with. I'm, uh, I'm really happy you swiped counterclockwise right, left, and diagonally down seven again. Mm. Yeah, well, uh, I'm happy you swiped counterclockwise right, left, and diagonally down seven again yourself. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. <laughs> Your profile says you're a big movie fan? Uh, yeah, definitely. Are you? Well, I love how they're stored. Oh, boy. As the world becomes more data-driven, we need the scalable solutions to host this data. And as an entrepreneur, I can say firsthand that Google Cloud for Startup... Okay, Matt, can we just... Maybe this wasn't a good idea. I don't think we're going to fuck. Hey, it's all right. We don't have to order the hummus. I'll tell the clown. It's not that. Aren't you scared by all this change? It's pulling us further and further away from real connection. Uh, Andrew Yang is running for president because technology is totally upending our labor force. Heck, we met on a dating app. I mean, even the way we've been brought together is virtual. I don't know. The future might really suck. As an innovation evangelist, it's my job to find the upside here. What's that? A real connection, you say? Excuse me for just a second. Okay, okay, a real connection. I can do that, well with help and advisement. Oh my God, this is going so badly. Who can I? Natasha, I'll call Natasha. She's my advisor, she can help me. Hey, Tasha, I'm on a date and all I seem to be talking about is Google Cloud. What should I do? Go back to my table and apologize or run screaming into the night, guys? Uh, Yeah, no. How you doing? Uh, Sorry about earlier. Okay, who do I have on my phone here? Dan, Bowens, Martha Witherspoon. Man, I need to hang out with more people. Uh, all right, I, I know who I'm going to call. Matt? P- Pat? Thank you for picking up, man. Of course. I got the NCIS Los Angeles going, got a pizza bagel out. It's a good hang. What's going on? It's the date, man. It's it's not going well. I, I can't stop talking about the silliest stuff, and I'm sweating through my clothes. Well, uh, has she given any indication that she thinks it's going badly? Yeah, we met on fucker, and I don't think we're going to f- Pat? Yeah, I'm, I'm here. Sorry, just... Oh, what things are called now? Listen, you're the best salesman I know. Whatever happens after tonight, she and I may never see each other again. I just want her to walk away with a good impression of me. I understand. There's no shortcut to her heart, Matt. She's likely just trying to make a real connection with you. That's exactly what she said. Ha! <laughs> Some things never change. Well, you've come to the right people person. Thank you so much, Pat. You know, I, I, I kind of wish you were here, man. I am there, Matt. I am there for you. Hey. Hey, I uh, I ordered the hummus after all. Okay, uh, great, thank you. Right this way, sir. Listen, about before, I I know you're looking for a real connection, Mm -hmm. Ethelene, and and given how virtual Mm -hmm. everything has become, how, Mm -hmm. yes, automated. Thank you, love. Oh, oh. My God, I am so sorry. What incredibly bad timing. That's okay. <laughs> I'll just, I'll, I'll take this call and I'll be right back. Of course, go ahead. <laughs> In the meantime, you can enjoy spending some time with Mr. Not at All Creepy who just sat down over there. <laughs> when she comes back to the table, ask her about herself for once, mate. Excuse me? Sir, are you talking to me? I am. And don't call me sir, call me... Nigel St. Christopher. Pat? 
What the hell are you doing here? <laughs> Why are you wearing sunglasses? And is that a fake mustache? <laughs> it's Noreen's. I found it in my coat pocket on the train yesterday. She does a mean Groucho Marx. That still doesn't explain. You said you wished I was here. I said I am there for you, right? Threw on some sneaks, caught a cab, no traffic crossing the Brooklyn Bridge, Alakazam, Alakapat! This is a mistake. Are you saying you don't need my help? Things are already back on well, track? Uh, so here, take this tablet. I put together a little document for you, try to give you the uh, virtual Pat Dreyfus experience. <laughs> Pat, this is... Are these categories? Yeah, you can click on them, and each title is hyperlinked. Might be helpful. Ways to stay in touch with customers without being annoying. <laughs> yeah. At the best times to solicit managerial feedback. These are just some things that have served me well over the years. Some of this is just straight up life advice. When to walk away from an argument. Best restaurants off I-95 to celebrate your anniversary. Well, as Andrew Yang says, automation is coming and we need to be ready. Hell, the U.S. labor force participation rate is now only at 62.9%, down from 67.3% in January of 2000. This means 4.4% of the American population ages 18 to 64 has actually exited the workforce in the last 18 years meaning 8.9 million additional U.S. adults are not working, and they're not trying to find work. You read his book. I did. Point is, when guys like me go the way of the dodo, all that knowledge we've accrued shouldn't become extinct, too. No. If anything, all that data, it should be stored using the help of Google Cloud. If you want to create immersive location experiences with Google Maps platform, or transform how your team works using Hire by Google... Matt, what are you doing? Sorry, force of habit. I've been so nervous tonight. Oh, here she comes. Thank you, Pat. The shades are going back on then. Hi. Okay, I am so sorry about that. Did you always have that tablet? Good night, Mr. St. Christopher. Good night, isn't it? Up the apples and pears. I, uh, no, no, a friend brought it to me. I was thinking, Matt, this idea of a universal basic income, that actually inspires me, you know? It feels human, actually human. Like, this is how society is supposed to be. We're not supposed to worry about our most basic needs at this point in the long arc of late capitalism. You need to head off to your next date, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean to be rude, but... Uh, no, I wanna... no, I, I get it. You met him on Yeah, double booked, Well, so... let me, uh... Ways to stay in touch with customers without being annoying. Right, well, while you're not my customer... I don't know, you were selling Google Cloud a little hard there. But uh, even <laughs> though this didn't work out, if you'd like to stay in touch... Pat's document says that, quote, a follow-up email four weeks after the meeting just to check in is a good next step. Who is this Pat? <laughs> Maybe if he'd offered you some advice earlier in the evening. You're telling me. <laughs> He just has so much experience. Everything okay? Yeah. Yeah, I... I think I need to get going too. Pat? Hey, hey! Sit down. Uh, have a slice with me. What are you doing? Well, uh, I was hungry, and I didn't want to just hang out at the restaurant with you, crampy style. So you're eating by yourself up the block? Uh, how'd the uh, rest of your date go? Pat. This place is wild, huh? Last time I came to Brooklyn, I packed a knuckle sandwich for lunch. It was 1989. Dinkins. Different thing. What are you in town for? Well, uh, you know, a few meetings here and there. Plus, as I said, Noreen is visiting Lindsay, so all was quiet at home. Is there something you're not telling me, Pat? Well, it's... You get to a point in your career, and uh, you're not here yet, but you get to a point in your career where you look to make a transition. Not voluntarily, but a transition. Pat, are you looking for a new job? You get to a point. Not voluntarily. Jeez, oh, I, I had no idea. What, what happened? AI, Matt, which I used to think stood for American Idol. 
We used to watch that as a family when Lindsay was young. So, your job has been made redundant by artificial intelligence, Pat? Well, I've been assigned to work with an AI, but it's only a matter of time. At first I thought, they just don't get the business. But that robot is good. Speaks 147 different languages, never misses a papa shot. What do I have? The same rules for decades, Matt. Pat, Pat Dreyfus's four, four rules, rules for, for closing, closing a deal. deal. Exactly. I had relationships, too. 30 years of life on the road. Handshakes meant something. It's what I was taught. You can't shake an AI's hand. I've seen the Terminator. Those things aren't friendly unless your name is John Connor. <laughs> ah, that reference makes you laugh. Good. I've been feeling like I just walked in from the Triassic period all week. I'm not ready to hang it up. Can I? Sure. Should I? I don't know. Do I want to? I really don't. <coughs> hey, 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 Matt, Matty boy. I'll be okay. I'm sorry, it's just... I don't want you to flounder, Pat. Come on, let's get out of here. Okay. Hey, uh, don't we have to uh, pay? Uh, what? No, it's, it's Brooklyn. We just Venmo the manager after. Man, what a view. Of the East River? <laughs> What's beyond it? A guy like you doesn't know it yet, but, but this city, there's an energy here. And if you can hold on to it, you should. <sighs> what value do I bring, Matt? You know, Pat, I, I was stuck once. I had a song in my heart. I had a day job that wouldn't let me sing it out. And for good reason, buddy. We all know how tone deaf you truly are. <laughs> yeah, but when, I, when I was at the bank, I, I knew that I wanted to tell the story of innovation, whatever that meant. And it's led to this show, and the show allows me to use my skill set in other ways. That's what you can do, Pat. There are startups that could use your expertise in acquiring customers. I mean, you were at the co-working space with me today. There are so many participants in this ecosystem. Hey, there's that word again. <laughs> Individual startups, accelerators full of startups. Company after company just waiting to take on a guy like you to mentor each founder. You've built things, Pat. You've built a community of people. Your customer base these past three decades. We have a lot to learn from you, my whole generation. You don't have to sit down and learn to code. Heck, pull folks like me away from our desks into the world. Get us out there and talking to people, making real-life connections. Yeah? Yes, Pat. It's going to be okay, man. Whatever it is, it's tomorrow. And we can't know, so may as well put our best foot forward. Thank you, Matt. <sighs> what do you think's going to happen in a world where what's happening to me is is par for the course. I don't know. I'm an optimist, but sometimes I wonder if we're living in a utopia or a dystopia. <laughs> it's just a sumtopia, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I mean, on the one hand, we've got folks running for president hoping to address the mass automation crisis. But then we have your ex and her parents all working hard to plunder the Earth's resources in new ways. Mm, but, but, but most of these people, Pat, around us here now, and earlier today, too, when we all sang... <laughs> These people who don't mock innovation, who see it as more than a buzzword. The people I see at the coffee shop. The founders, developers, writers, performers, legislators. They are the majority of people, Pat. All helping to change the world, sometimes merely by putting hopeful, innovative ideas into it. And seeing that, and interviewing the activists and executives who know this world needs changing, who understand the hazards of ocean plastic or the tragedy of too much corporate bureaucracy or the perils of wasting energy or the coming work crisis and who fight the good fight every day, well, that's what gives me hope. Maddie boy, what can I say? I'm proud of you. Hey, who wants to sing a little backup with me, huh? How you feeling tonight, Brooklyn? Sure, yes. You are a bold man, Pat Dreyfus. If 
this dystopian dysphoria has turned your euphoria blue and your utopia myopia has got the best of you remember all my friends until our dying day this sumtopia is outopia so let's make it better today Today, some topia, some topia, some topia. The forests for the trees Such are the woes of emerging technologies But if you and I can see eye to eye About the world we wish to make Maybe dystopia doesn't have to be our fate In this Sumtopia Security for convenience and patience for time. But what if we could bring goodwill back online? Use our tech to build bridges across time and place. Just you, me, and technology to advance the singing with Pat. Martha Witherspoon wrote to us about the blockchaining the Nordics conference. She wants to turn a one-day live stream into a two-day live stream. This conference now has over 1,000 registered attendees, and that means twice the pay. Really? Wow, hang on, I'm reading now. Live from tomorrow, team. I hope this email finds you well. Got some news for you cards. N-E-W-S news. C-A-R-D-S cards. Wow, yeah, Martha goes on to say that there's more work for us. And she really likes to spell. So as your advisor, I would recommend that you get a little more practice. Let's put some more hosting hours under your belt. When can you plan the next show? The next show? I'm not sure. Come to a show down by me. In Dover? Yeah, why not? There's a big crypto scene down by us. You can do a live from tomorrow there and- Pat, that's a great idea. Uh, Natasha, did you hear that? We're going to Dover and then to Copenhagen. Those are pretty random. Yeah, y you know what else is random? I just got a message from Walter Skalski. But I won't let that distract me. I'm gonna be live from tomorrow. I'll be sending out a message to our friends. Today's the day to carpe diem. Help them see how great ideas can pay out moral dividends. 
Even if I'm chatting from behind the desk, I can still futz with the dream and putz around in a vest. I'll be live, come tomorrow, when it starts with Denmark today. But first, come on down to the Delaware Coastal Plain. I've never been so goddamn startup curious in all my days. This spirited whippersnapper's gonna pave a new way. To carry me or to Christian, you see where Great Danes play. A commune's life for me. I'm feeling 23. A marvelous to be. So curious again. A she Oshkoski corn. I've struck more gold than Rush ever could. And they're 24 records certified. Exit that foyer today's Diane Sawyer. Get me on Good Morning America now, and I'll tell you all about the revolution to come into the Monongahela Valley and beyond. Come hell or run off water. Dad, what are you doing? What's wrong, Sally? It's not the right climate to talk about this. Why don't you find some other tokus on which you can plant a kiss? We've already given Matt a goddamn hard time enough. Can't we just go back to mining crypto, mining our own beeswax, and living rough? Still, it's tough to think about embarking on a crypto landscape new. While I'm abiding, he'll be gliding towards some Danish ballyhoo. I'll make a plan, set gears afoot, pay my own dividends. String up my own way to make a fine left here in Monongahela. Ecosystems are I love it! To the big live stream in Copenhagen! I am live from tomorrow and I'm flying out to Denmark. What the hey, which one is gonna be mine? It's literally tomorrow, there they're live in a new time zone. Yes, it truly is a latter day. An ecosystem means that what is mine is yours. He's gonna share the gospel tech world tour. Go get him, Matt! Time to go and borrow knowledge from the Danish stars who are in line for tomorrow. Spreading our ecosystem across the pond. Knowledge is power, especially when you can cavort with Danes who will cheer you on. It feels like the right time to talk and holy cow, I've got to get it going and I don't care how. I'm going to give it an old Sumtopian final bow. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, I want to thank everybody who worked on this show, which will include the unusual practice of reading my own name aloud in the third person. Uh, our cast, in alphabetical order, Matthew Walters-Bowens, Matt Hooper, Kelly Quinn, Shai Tamari, Ann Veal, and Mark Levy as Pat Dreyfus. And additionally featuring Max Azulay, Natasha Banzgapal, Abby Easton, Dan O'Malley, and Francis Simowitz. Our executive producer, Aaron Kressner, our guest, Andrew Yang, who, since ending his presidential campaign, serves as the founder of the nonprofit Humanity Forward. Score by Ben Easton. Music and lyrics by Mark Levy and Ben Easton, with additional lyrics by Matt Hooper. The band is the Academy Blues Project, and their members are Mark Levy, Ben Easton, Trevor Brown, and Jim Bloom. Sound designed and mixed by Barbaros Kynock. And this show was written and edited by Matt Hooper.